Welcome to the Thrills and Chills podcast brought to you by ShareBird and Clue. This is a show about establishing product marketing, being the first product marketer, and the challenges they faced. I'm your host, J.D. Prater. Before we jump into today's episode with the Senior Product Marketing Manager at Figma, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Clue. Clue is the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers that want to drive business revenue for their business. It helps product marketers to easily collect, curate, and distribute insights that enable your revenue teams to beat their competition. Head over to Clue.com to learn more. LaShawn, talk to me about joining Figma. You were at Abstract for some time. You were director of product marketing. You've recently joined Figma. What you been up to these past couple of months? Yeah, I made the leap to Figma a little while ago, and I really, from afar, admired the company. I think I really loved not just the products, there's a great product, but the community that they have been able to build around that product. And there was something really interesting that I saw there, and that was that they have almost created something into a lifestyle brand in the SaaS world, which I thought was really interesting and kind of wanted to be a part of. Up, particularly because I like the blend of brand and product marketing and how they all come together in a SaaS space. And so I joined right, like going right into config, their big conference, which is, I mean, absolutely like mind-blowingly big. The number of people that attend that register, the speakers that submit what they want to talk about, and just like the pool that they have was absolutely amazing. And quite frankly, I'd never been a part of anything like that before. So I've been doing config stuff. I have been working on product launches like Apple. That's where they launch a lot of new features. I helped work on the keynote and demo flows. And so it was a really great experience kind of going into this big event with lots of moving parts, I guess, sort of jumping right into the fire after going right into config. Everything after that is probably pretty lightweight. So it's a nice little way to kind of get in and see everything pretty quickly and learn quickly, but it's been fantastic. Yeah, I can't imagine a faster way to ramp up than getting ready for like customer conference where this is really where you're going to be releasing the majority of features products for the year, right? I mean, of course, you'll have roadmap for the next couple of quarters, but wow. So that one's really good. That's a fast one. We'll dive into it. But I want to call out, I 100% agree with you on their brand. I mean, they have like almost, you know, when you think of like Peloton, like the community around Figma is so impressive. My friend, he's a co-founder at Terminus, also Atlanta-based company there. He always says, without a community, you're just a commodity. And and I love it, right? And I think Figma really helps embrace and define as like a perfect use case for that. Because he has built out this amazing community, but so has Figma. So I am like a tertiary user of Figma, (laughs) right? The design team is using Figma. They'll say, JD, jump in. And I get in and I've like already know what to do intuitively. And so kudos to the product marketing team for maybe writing some prompts in, you know, in product, maybe giving some onboarding tours, but also just designing a really well laid out product. So I am a Figma fanboy. I'm excited (laughs) to have you on here, but I want to kind of talk and think through establishing product marketing with you. So you Mm -hmm. did this at Abstract. You're going to be ramping up into Figma, but let's spend a little bit of time here on Abstract. Talk to me about that journey of defining the role, defining the function, building out the team. Where did you kind of start and what were some of those challenges? 
Sure. Yeah. So I joined when they were at Series B. The company was less than 40 people. I think that there were four of us total on the marketing team, maybe five. And I was the first product marketer. And so the idea was to come in, start laying the foundation of product marketing, build a team, all those types of things. But initially you have to lay the foundation. So when it doesn't exist at all, you're building everything from scratch. So it's going in and doing one of the things that I think is most important in product marketing and establishing relationships with all of the different teams that you work with cross-functionally, building that trust, building the rapport. One of the things that I found was super helpful was really kind of defining what those relationships look like on paper to really set expectations for who owned what and who supported when to really help draw the lines of decision-making. And I found that that was really helpful too, just in building trust and really particular with the product team, making it so, you know, they were happy to bring me in early and I was happy to bring them in early and have these conversations and really work more as a team than as two separate functions. Yeah. I really like this. Hold on. Cause this, this is good. I haven't heard someone say we've actually written down these swim lanes. I think it's fantastic. I'm taking this with me wherever <laughs> I go now, but can we dive into a little bit of that of like what that conversation was like? Was there tension there or was it just like, okay, this is your thing. This is my thing. This is maybe where we overlap. Yeah, I think generally I have been in positions where there's an element of tension there. I think because it was so early, I think it was something that everyone was kind of craving a little bit. So there was a little bit less tension there, more so of the thought of let's figure out how we can work together better so that as we try to start to put these processes in place, all of these things make more sense. So it was around creating a good, strong foundations. And of course, it usually stems from trying to make make marketing more proactive rather than reactive, right? Yeah, correct. So starting to build in those processes and create those swim lanes really starts to help with that from a timing perspective and just sort of like knowing where you fit in and when you need to start involving people. So thankfully not much tension there. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so important for that go-to-market function, right? You've probably have seen PMM teams where you're talking about it with the reactive piece. So you're reactive to the product team. They're probably lobbing features over to you two weeks every month and you didn't have any idea. Sales team is lobbing requests over to you and you're just trying to put out fires and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know which one to do. And you're just on your heels the entire time. So kudos to you. I love tackling this early and it's something I'm now putting into my playbook. All right, so keep going, keep going. Yeah. And so I did that first with the product team, then with the sales team, admittedly with the sales team, it came a little later and probably later than it needed to. I did it after I hired another PMM rather than before. So I saw the benefits of it on the product side, getting there early before we ramped up PMMs and product managers. But on the sales side, it did start to get a little murky because there weren't clear definitions of what the sales team really needed and what they wanted, as opposed to what the newer PMM felt like they needed. So we kind of had to retroactively go back and peel back the layers and do it there. But again, across the board, found it to be helpful. You know, it's laying out the messaging frameworks. So I would say that was probably the second most important thing is thinking through that. And I think for us there, our messaging actually, our marketing was working really well. I think people were also really excited about the product, but really like starting to help refine that messaging 
do the customer research, right? Talking to the sales team and picking their brain. We had DAs talking to those folks and really kind of getting that qualitative data, going to the product team and digging through like how were customers talking about us, right? How did they make requests and really trying to start to weave the words of the customers into our messaging and enable everyone throughout the company, particularly others on the marketing team with how we should be talking about our product more consistently, more than like having to change lots of things, but really creating that consistency within the company of how we talk about ourselves. Consistency is so key. I mean, (laughs) this is, I think it's like a daily struggle for me. I mean, the framework is there. It's on our internal wiki. You still come across something. You're like, no, that's not what we say. All right. (laughs) Hey, sales team. Nope. See, this is how we frame this piece, but you're going to run into that with most companies. I will say it's no offense to them, right? They're just, yeah, they yeah. don't care like I do, right? And this is my job, right? This consistency, it's how we talk about it in every single conversation because that's what the customer sees. That's what the customer hears. And I also love weaving in what the customer is saying. So that way, when they get to the website, it's like, oh yeah, this is like, it's so familiar at that point. Like it's already referenced in their head. It's already their worldview and how they view and think about the product. And so that one's like a small tip. I don't think enough people do that. So I'm glad that you also put that forward. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the strongest things a product marketer can do is listen. And I think people talk about listening being a lost art just in general. (laughs) But I think listening is so much a part of your job because you are the voice of the customer. And if you don't listen to the voice of the customer, then you can't emulate that internally. So I really like to kind of as much as I can get that feedback, listen to calls, hear it so that you can kind of like feel their pains and really make that connection with where they're coming from. Yeah. I can't count how many aha moments I've had just in customer interviews or Mm -hmm. setting up a customer advisory board, listening to sales calls because they will just say something. And it's something Mm -hmm. I've been trying to connect or just thinking through for weeks. And for them, it's just, oh yeah, like this and this, this. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. They give it to you. You're like, yeah, that was the thing that I couldn't figure out how to articulate for you. Right. And so now you've taught me like how you articulate that problem or that challenge. Yeah. And part of that, you're just so close to the problem, right? You're Mm -hmm. living it, you're breathing it. It's every day. And so sometimes it can be tricky to come up with that messaging and like even their best copywriters and everything, like just being able to hear it is going to make you a better copywriter and better at messaging in those frameworks. So, okay. I love that. All right. So you built out this function. Now you're hiring. I want to focus on a couple of things here. Whenever you're hiring, like, what are you looking for in those first couple of people? And then I'm going to get into that promotion to director level. So let's start off with uh, hiring. Yeah. Hiring. You know, this is one of those where I think it really matters of which stage of growth the company's in and your needs on the PMM team, because those are different based upon where you are and what's already in place. So on a newer team where you're the first product marketer and leadership and you're building out that team, you really need people with, I think, a diverse set of skills. So you need that product marketing generalist who is able to execute on their own. So they need those copywriting skills. They need that way of thinking through things strategically. I think very much so in like a story format, someone who really gets storytelling, someone who gets frameworks and 
and processes because I feel like that was much more product marketing than I even anticipated and really has the skills to be able to like write their own stuff and contribute because there aren't very many people. And so you have to really kind of be the full stack. I would say, even if you're not amazing at all of those things, you need to be very capable of doing that. And then I think at a company that's kind of further down the line with more established product marketing, I think there, like now I am looking for someone who's a little bit more skilled in a focus area, right? So maybe someone who is like developer product marketing or someone who has worked on just a specific type plugins, APIs, or maybe they're very familiar with like enterprise product marketing, but you can kind of get a little more specialized because the teams tend to be more focused, right? As the product grows, features grow, you may start introducing new products. So it's less general and a little more specialized. So I think you kind of start to get into those things and which lanes people have started to create a level of expertise in. Whereas I think early on, you need someone who can be more of that scrappy product marketer who can get in there and go with it. So someone who's ready to run with it, as opposed to someone who is more, can be more siloed in a specific function. Yeah, I think that's spot on. And it's exactly how I think through hiring. It's kind of like what obviously outside a company need and kind of that the gross side of things. So I think that's a really good point of differentiation, but also just think it through your own career, right? If you're wanting to like be a more of a specialist, so you probably want to look for maybe a little bit more later stage, maybe series mm-hmm. C, D, probably even maybe in like public company, whereas that generalist role come in a little bit earlier and you're going to be able to touch on a lot of different things wear many hats. But the pros to that is just being able to figure out what you like, what you're good at, so that you can specialize in a couple of years, right? And I think there's this back and forth side of things where obviously coming in at where you are now being more senior, being the first product marketer, you've kind of experienced the generalist, the specialist. Now it's back to being a generalist again, right? And kind of owning everything, but you get to figure everything out. Yeah, I think you make a good point because it's all in what you're looking for and what you want to get out of it. And I think, you know, one of the the things that's really helpful is to sit down with yourself Mm. and be honest with yourself about what your goals are and what you're really actually trying to achieve. And it's not just the interview question of where do you see yourself by? years from now, right? It's at the end of this, what do you want to have accomplished? What are you looking to check off of your list? Because every role that you take should be a step towards that. And I know for me particularly, I learned that product marketing roles were for me sort of that preparation to understand and really be involved in sort of the full spectrum of strategy and be that internal connector so that I could eventually become a CMO and then eventually go back to being a founder again. So every role for me is looking at, okay, how does this get me there? And so one of the reasons I joined Abstract was because it was early stage and I wanted to learn everything that happens at an early stage startup what works, what doesn't. You can be very close to executive leadership, which I was. You can have a really strong impact on the direction of the company. And so I wanted to get in there. And for me, it's always about learning. And I was able to learn a lot in in startup two years (laughs) is like forever, you know? So- 
you, yeah. you learn quite a bit in two years at a startup, things change often and you kind of, you learn to go with those ebbs and flows and just really get to understand those inner workings. And at Figma, it was like, okay, now here's a later stage company, essentially a unicorn that's experiencing hyper growth. And what does that look like? What are the inner workings there? And what can you learn from that to then take with you later on? Yeah. I mean, it's very similar to even part of where I was. So I was at a series A. I wanted to see what that was like. Went to a series D at Cora, which was a unicorn at the time with over billion dollar valuation. And now I'm at a public company, AWS. I wanted to see what does a big company look like? Mm -hmm. But I say that big company, but I'm focused on startups still. Activate is for startups, for early stage startups. So I get to kind of have Beth, some of the best of both worlds of like startups are still my target audience, understanding their pain points. But now it's like infrastructure pain points, which is slightly different, right? But I'm with you. I always had a friend of mine ask me this question and he's like, at the end of a year, what do you want to point back to? And I thought that was a really way of kind of thinking through the potential job or a potential, like if I'm going to take this role after a year, what can I point back to, right? So if I'm going to mm -hmm. come in, uh, add Figma and after a year, this is what I want to point to and say, this was my accomplishment. And I think I thought that was a really fun exercise of thinking through, oh, this company versus this company, right? And so if you're mm -hmm. out there, I hope maybe it helps you. It helped me. I wanted to focus too on you know, being a director. So a lot of people out there, right? You're probably a senior PMM, maybe you're a team lead, group lead, whatever it may be, getting to that director role, man, it's hard, right? Like yeah. it's not for everyone, right? And so I wanted to pick your brain around that. Like what advice would you give people that maybe are trying to make that leap to director role? Well, I'll start with one of the pieces that for me was a challenge that I had to overcome, but it's the thing that you have to do most. And that's to be visible. No one can promote you if your work isn't visible. And I think sometimes product marketing, you, when you're in the position where you have to execute and be strategic, there isn't much time for the internal politicking, right? And so you can kind of forget about that whole visibility portion of like, I have to make my work very visible. And so I think making sure that sometimes that is putting conversations out in the open and Slack, but finding different ways to show your work and show some of the effort and what's going on behind the scenes, socializing plans, socializing results or learnings, but just kind of being very active in the conversations that are happening. I think that that is absolutely key for PMMs and building out frameworks and things that are useful to other folks internally. Sure. So it's really also about enabling other people. When you enable other people, we all know that helping others is the best way to actually really help yourself. And so when you enable those other people, then they're also, when conversations come up, they're ready and willing to advocate for you. They're going to speak well on your behalf because part of leadership is supporting folks. It's enabling them. It's giving them the tools to do their job better and putting those processes in place. So I think that those are two things that are really helpful. And then there's the reality that you have, after doing that, you need to assess your situation, right? <laughs> and sometimes to go to that next level, you have to go to another company. That also happens. And I think people shouldn't be afraid to do that. I think it's perfectly fine to say, I am going to be in this role for two to three years. And after that, this is the next step that I want to take. And it's fine that if it's not available to you at your current company for you to 
make that leap to challenge yourself into that next role because you know better than anyone else what you're ready for. And just because someone else doesn't see it doesn't mean that you're not ready. You just may have to go somewhere else. Yeah. That's always a tricky one too, because sometimes you're not ready, but yet you are ready. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think we've asked other guests, how did you know you were ready to make that leap? And a lot of them say, I mean, I don't know if I was ready, but I just did it. And, you know, and I think they did know. I think if you, if you look back, their career has building up to this moment where they're ready to go be a director at maybe a smaller company, right? But they're now that director, they get to lead their own team and they were ready for it. So I agree with you. I think you'll know when yeah. you're ready. And I think there are some signals, some signs that I think each person will have to kind of think through. But I also want to transition to this because I think this is a good time. Back in 2019, I'm going to go back a couple of years now. <laughs> this was for a Black History Month employee spotlight at Abstract. One of the questions asked to you was, what's one childhood lesson that you still carry with you to this day? And I loved your answer. And I want to know if you think it's still true because this does directly correspond. Your answer was, when you're most uncomfortable, when you feel most challenged, that's where growth happens. And it's not to be feared, but embraced. Yes, most definitely. I think that one of the things that I think helped me early in my career and has helped is saying yes, being unafraid to say yes, and being confident enough that you can figure it out. Because the reality is, right, you don't know what it's like to be a director until you're a director. You don't know what it's like to be in that leadership role. So you can't really prepare for it. All you can do is trust that you can figure it out. Trust in your ability to get in there and figure that out. And so I do think that is absolutely true. And that's where that growth happens. Are you maybe a little unsure? Probably. You don't know, but without risk, there's no reward. So when you get in there, there are those challenging moments. There is that tension. Once you get on the other side of that, it's an amazing feeling and you learn so much and like, sure, you're probably going to mess some things up and you're probably going to do some things really well because you're going to bring a fresh set of eyes to, to something you've never done before. And you just have to give yourself the freedom to do that and say, it's okay. That's the only way you get better as a human. Yeah. I think that's so spot on. I mean, I love that you talked about not fearing, but embracing it. It's dancing with that fear. And that in the moment is uncomfortable if you've never done it. And but guess yeah. what? After you've done it, it gets easier, right? And you find another oh, yeah. challenge, right? And so you can look back and go, oh, that wasn't that bad. And a lot of times it's just built up in our heads or it's the story that we tell ourselves. And so dance with it, have fun, embrace it, have some fun with that fear. But one question I had for you too was you're a black female in product marketing, right? Mm -hmm. And you've been able to accomplish some amazing things. And so I wanted to ask, what advice would you give other females out there in the product marketing world, but maybe even just like other people of color, other black product marketers that are looking to become you, you know, <laughs> like you're at Figma, you're a director, like how do we get to that level? Yeah. I think one of the things I touched on this uh, a little bit is saying yes, even when you're not sure. And I forgot where I read it, but years ago it was around women and how they apply for jobs and how they negotiate for themselves. And they tend to kind of really assess themselves where they are. Whereas men will over-rotate on their <laughs> abilities, right? And, no. and sell themselves. No. Yeah. <laughs> we do. <laughs> it's not true. you, okay. not yeah. you. No, 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 it's true. It's true. <laughs> a little bigger, right? And I think for women, sometimes they're 
we're hesitant to say, yeah, I can do that because we haven't already done it before and we're not sure. And so I think one of the first things is like, tell yourself, yes, tell yourself there's that project that's maybe a stretch, a big stretch for you. But if it's on the table for you to go be able to bring visibility to yourself and make an impact, then you say yes, and you figure it out later. And I think you have to, it's like jumping off that cliff, right? Mm -hmm. And into the water, you just have to push yourself to do it. You just have to go and whatever happens, happens, but you have nothing to lose as you try to grow your career. So I think definitely that ability to say yes, as a woman across the board. And I think as a black female, one of the things that I think you have to be comfortable with being the only one, because Mm. that has been most of my experience. I think you have to be comfortable being the only one and being the only one still be okay with taking risks and speaking up. I think sometimes when you feel like you're by yourself, you may be a little more careful, you have all of these other things going on in the back of your mind. I think it's about really going in and being unafraid and making your mark. And, and that I think will start again, like help you surface. The reality is, is like, you're probably going to have to work harder. You're going to have to do more, but in do more, I don't mean do more people's work. I mean, make sure you're doing impactful work and getting more out of your efforts, because sometimes we can misconstrue that with just doing more things and taking on everything. And that will just tire out your brain. You only have so much like mental bandwidth, right? So it's about really making sure your efforts are focused on things that are visible, things that are impactful. And that you are saying yes to the big things that are, that fall into those categories. You do have to be strategic and smart about it. But I think that there are several ways to get into product marketing. You don't have to go straight into being a product marketer. For me, my career is pretty multifaceted and I kind of zigzagged my way into product marketing and realized, oh, the strategic thing that I'm doing over here, where I get to figure out the messaging and positioning is product marketing. So those are roles that fit for me, but I started off in copy and email and brand and creative and was a founder of a company. I designed an app and learned tons of things through that. And that was sort of my way into product marketing. So don't be afraid to build a sort of smorgasbord of your background and experience that translates, right? You can sell translatable skills. And as a product marketer, one of the things that you should be pretty good at is putting together a resume that has some good (laughs) messaging. and knows how to position those skills. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, you touched on some really good points, right? So when you think about this pool of product marketers, and then you say product marketers that have established product marketing, first product marketer, and then you think about black females. I mean, there's not a lot. And I hear you on one, it's, it's already lonely as it is being the only marketer or the only product marketer and you're trying to establish it, but can definitely hear and understand where you're coming from when you think about oh, a black or a female, right? I mean, that adds other complexities that me as a white male, I never had to think about or probably will never have to think about, right? And so I definitely hear you and see you there and want to encourage the community to understand that and to, if you see this, go help, you know, go help them out, go help out some sales enablement, please, you know, go help me out. It's some this stuff, I'm not saying just the work, but also just letting them know that you're there for them. So let's transition. We're on to the thrills and the chills. I love this part of the podcast and for every episode. And so I'd love to understand for you, when you think back on your product marketing career, what are some of those highs? What are some of those lows? What are some of those thrills and chills? 
Yeah. Some of the highs, I guess you talked about being able to point back to things. And I think for me, those are, when I think about that, it's like, what highs can you point back to throughout your career or being at a certain place? And a couple moments for me, I would say is probably when I first kind of had the aha moment of, oh, this is product marketing. (laughs) (laughs) And that was when I founded Sitter Circle, which was an iOS app, which was babysitters on demand. And I did everything from, I actually designed the interface and built out the website and everything. And I started marketing it before I actually had the product to build up a list. And I noticed like in the messaging, I didn't talk anything about like this app. It was all about the feeling of spontaneity and bringing spontaneity back into your relationship the way you had before kids were there. (laughs) And it resonated really well. So I was able to get like 400 people to sign up in like a couple of weeks with just like Facebook outreach and and the website and the messaging. So I drafted like a little blurb for the parents, a little blurb for the sitters. And I was just posted everywhere and get all of these people to give me their information. And I was like, oh, wow, this is interesting because I'm really just kind of like serving up the story and connecting the story with people more so than the actual product because there were probably two others out there. And so I was like, oh, so this is like the psychology of marketing. And I absolutely love psychology and tapping into people. And so then I had started doing some research and there was this thing, kind of a discipline forming of product marketing. And I was like, ah, that's really cool. I think that's kind of my thing in product marketing. And before that, I had consulted with a startup in the renewable energy space and they were kind of like struggling on the revenue side. And so I helped them kind of reposition themselves to, instead of kind of going against big oil to become strategic partners to big oil. And they were able to start bringing in revenue because then they could sell to them. And so there was kind of this pattern of like positioning and messaging things that I was like, okay, I think this is my groove. And so that was a really exciting moment. I think when you build something yourself too, and you're able to sort of see the way you're thinking strategically work in that moment from the ground up. So that was really big accomplishment. I was invited to rent the runways project entrepreneur. So it was fantastic. I would say another thrill was at abstract. I launched our Adobe XD integration, which at abstract, we were solely supporting sketch. So launching that was kind of like the next biggest thing that the company had done since actually launching the product. So it was one of those all hands on deck launches where you're like mobilizing the whole company and there are tons of moving parts and we were redoing the homepage, making videos. And so being able to lead and manage that was really special and seeing it even all kind of come together when we actually even attended Adobe Max and had our booth there. And so it was really special moment because there were just so many moving parts. And I think to be a part of that for a company is really amazing. I also enjoyed, I think I spoke to research. Another thrill is if you see abstract state of design report, I launched the research for that and did all of that kind of based upon some hypotheses that I had. And that was really fantastic. I think whenever a company can kind of create their own content and thought leadership information, it's fantastic. And the team put it together 
beautifully. So that was also a thrill. It was super impactful. I think not just for the company, but some of those findings just for the industry overall and sort of what's next and what people expect from their design tooling. And I think config is huge. Uh, That is (laughs) something that I'm excited to be able to point back to because that was my first time working on a keynote, a keynote that's as visible as Dylan's is and working on so many moving parts for such a big conference. That was, I'm glad that I had worked on the XD launch because it helped prepare me for all those moving parts of config. But I think when you can be a part of something like that and contribute to it, it's not only a great learning experience, but just something that you're really proud of because the work is beautiful. Yeah, those are so much fun. You know, just hearing those stories, I'm sure a lot of people are listening are like, yeah, I've been there. I, I understand what that product launch feels like, or I understand what that's like to put together that presentation, or maybe not all of us on launching our own app or our own product. So that one's pretty cool and pretty unique to you. But when you think about some of those chills now, what are some that come to mind? I think product marketing is still relatively new, right? And I think in some ways it can be undefined, particularly if you were at an earlier stage company. And I think that that can make it challenging because I think I mentioned earlier, it can become the everything role. You're doing sales enablement, you're writing content, you can be working on social, you're working with the product team. And so you can feel very stretched. And that's coming from someone who I love when things are ambiguous and I get to kind of like run with it. But I think when the expects, it can lead to an expectation that you can do everything and be everywhere for everyone. And that's really challenging. So I think having been in that position before, it's hard when the expectations aren't always aligned because of that lack of definition for the role. And I think when you start to get to more established product marketing, like we talked about before, when you're looking at people to more special it's different, right? It starts to be more defined and you tend to have those expectations are more aligned. But I think one of those shills can be being that first product marketer at a company and really kind of potentially finding yourself in that everything role. I think another chill is because I feel like product marketing requires a diverse skill set. I think at times that can also feel limiting for a person to be in a functional role because you, and it's really based on how the team's set up because you kind of want to like, I know for me, I've wanted to, to be like, oh, well, I want to help with this in brand, but, and the lines are very blurred, right? Mm-hmm. And SaaS yeah, between brand yeah, yeah. and product marketing. And so drawing those lines and kind of feeling like, okay, well, you don't do this and you don't do this, but you do all of these things. If you really want to kind of branch out in certain roles and certain companies, it could potentially feel limiting to that person who has this diverse skill set. So there's really that balance of figuring out how to leverage everything you know within a functional role. Because I, I think product marketers are really the future of like C-suite marketing. They possess all of the skills and they really are to a degree that sort of full stack generalist inside of a company that knows a little bit about all of the pieces of marketing because they have to be able to connect the dots. So I think at times there's certainly times that I have felt a little bit constrained and just kind of wanted to like break out a little bit. No, I think you're spot on though, even with the CMO thing. Yes, we're a generalist 
we can wear many hats, understand all the marketing functions, but we also understand the strategy behind it all. Mm -hmm. We understand what are those levers that should be pulled and when to pull them. And I think that's really like the next piece of understanding with that CMO. It's no longer just a brand story or hiring the best agency to create an amazing commercial for you. It's now thinking through like, what are those product strategies? What is our go-to-market strategy? How do we get the team on board? Like that's tough. And that's what a product marketer does every single day. So LaShawn, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us, you know, sharing some of your experiences that you've had working from abstract and really defining and building that function within there. And now at Figma, first couple months in and already helping out on the deck for the CEO at the biggest conference for the company. So that's fun. That's exciting. And thanks again for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been great. All right. Thanks everyone. That wraps up today's episode of Thrills and Chills. And again, thank you Clue for being a sponsor of this show because with Clue, you can build and deliver battle cards to help sales close more deals. Stay on top of your competitor strategies and measure your competitive program's impact to the bottom line. Don't just compete, compete to win with Clue. And a special thanks again to ShareBird for making this podcast possible. We'll see you all next Thursday.